and welcome to Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. My name's Christopher Webb, and I'm joined by a man who has bright light shining out of every orifice. It's Robert Johnson. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Really uh, quite excited about tonight's episode. Yeah, because it is, of course, as we said before, our second birthday. I can't believe we, um, we've made it this far. I know. It's unbelievable, isn't it? We've really made it. We've really found that perfect combination. We have. And, you know, um, as I look at you in your dark, dingy garage, and, and I sit here in my spare room, surrounded by dogs... <laughs> brings a tear to the eye to think the success that we've really um really yielded out of this podcast it's been just a roller coaster isn't it just highs <laughs> really and is. lows and <laughs> stuff but anyway as a special birthday treat rob I've, mm. I've got you a gift have you made me a cake oh even better than that i've brought you a special guest Ooh, yeah and it's not just any old guest it's one of my podcasting heroes wow that's exciting so can we please give a big sag pod welcome to Marek Larwood. Hey, Marek. Hello. Hello, Rob. Hello, Chris. Hello, listeners. For all people listening, that was basically a lie because we chatted for five minutes before the start of the podcast. <laughs> so if you thought, I mean, Rob's sounding a bit like an ungrateful asshole here, it's because he's already met me. But I don't know him. Maybe he is an ungrateful asshole. He is. Perfectly in character, actually, Marek. I, I always often do sound like a, some form of asshole. Some form of <laughs> Well, it's lovely to be here, and I, I, I can't wait to I can't wait to get going. And I mean, I don't mean leave. I don't mean leave. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll finish soon. Don't worry. It's lovely to have you here, Merrick, because in no word of a lie, um, before Chris and I started doing this podcast, and Chris sort of Chris kind of coaxed me into listening to podcasts, really. And one of the um, the first that I got into was, of course, film Fandango. Yeah, the great film Fandango, and so it's um, many a time I've he- I heard your dulcet tones. I should have worn my film Fandango t-shirt, shouldn't I? You should have worn your I Fandango know. t-shirt. It's in the wash. Sorry. I mean, what we're yeah. doing here is a very, very, very niche podcast talking about another very niche podcast. <laughs> so the people who understand, but the chances are <laughs> of someone listening to this podcast. It's probably about less. It's less than one person. Should we say hello to Anne Coletta now and just get it over with? Yes, it's it's less than one person. Is it sort of an amputee? Or? Well, I mean, probably <laughs> they've given up by now. <laughs> but how are you, Marek? Are you all right? I'm quite hot. I feel old and I feel tired. But now I feel rejuvenated by the chance to speak in this podcast and express my opinions about a film that probably no one really remembers that much. Should we talk about what it is? Yeah, share it with yeah, us. What have, you been, what have you chosen? Well, I chose a film I thought that I watched once. I think around 1988 or something. When was it? It's called Big Trouble in Little China. This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here, and a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack? Jack! 
They told him to go to hell. You make one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. Stars Kurt Russell and um, Kim Cattrall. And basically every single person of oriental persuasion in Hollywood that you see <laughs> yeah, that, in basically. all the films in the in the eighties. Yeah, it was a bit like that. Eh? It was, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that one. I mean, there's so many people that, and I think they actually got a bit short. I'm sure several of them did get killed and do reappear later on, possibly, or maybe that's just me being massively racist. <laughs> <laughs> No. Do you want to start off with um, what have you seen? When did you first see the film? I, I I think I saw this probably about the same time as you, Marik, on VHS. Mm-hmm. And I was really I remember being really taken by the uh, cover art of the video. It looked really exciting, and um, Kurt Russell's tank top. <laughs> I was like, gee, that's an exciting tank top. There's a lot of it's a it's a vest, isn't it? It's a, well, it's a singlet. Really, isn't it? It's, and then um, it's like a sort of a die-hard vest when you've been on holiday, isn't it? It's, yeah, he's got these amazing knee-high um, lace-up boots that I've never seen on any other person in my life before, other than his character in this movie. What listeners might not know is that we're all talking on Skype, and Rob is miming the lacing and the height of the boots <laughs> whilst he's talking to them. As if I had to explain, oh, that's what knee. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what they yeah. mean by yeah. knee high. Knee high. <laughs> sort of sides up to a knee with um, laces. I don't know yeah. if it's... Yeah, okay, cool, man. <laughs> does, it, does it help? Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, no, as a kid, I actually... I, I There were parts of it I, I really liked. The special effects really intrigued me and parts that I thought were a bit kind of scary and a bit confronting for a, for a, a young boy. How old are you, Rob? I'm, I'm 38. Oh, so you were pretty young when you watched it then? I was, I was... Yeah, I was 12, so I was more... I was just starting getting interested in other things. Violence. I wasn't that too scared by violence. Yeah. I was actively searching out violence. Mm. Well, that's the Isle of Wight for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? I was 47 the first time I saw this. You're kidding. How many years ago was that? Ah, ha, 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 ha. No, confession time. I'd never seen it before. Wow. wow. I know, I know. And I'm a big John Carpenter fan as well. And this one kind of just sort of passed me by. I'm not really sure why. When did it come out with like mid 86? So I was 15 years mm-hmm. old. So I was obviously too cool for anything that looked fun. So I think I just yeah. chose not to watch it. And I just never, never really seen it. It's not really on telly that often. So it was, it was a nice choice. Yeah. You were probably too busy reading jazz mags at this time, really, weren't you? Well, you say read. <laughs> There's a reason I wear glasses. Looking at the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in this sort of podcast, is it? <laughs> Put that explicit tag on now, everyone. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it before. That's really exciting, then. I love it when we, we watch one that you haven't seen. Yeah. I'm amazed you missed it. It must be the age thing. Yeah, I think so. Because it was targeted. I, I remember thinking, uh, this is a, when I watched it when I was 12, oh, this is a really adult film that I'm watching. But obviously it was definitely aimed at... Um, well, I think mean, explicitly 12-year-olds. <laughs> so it was aimed right at you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like that is the perfect audience for the film. I think you're yeah. right. John Carpenter, of course, normally associated with yeah. the best horror films ever made. I know you're a big fan of The Thing, Marek, so... I think possibly The Thing is top three greatest films ever made. Mm. 
as in the perfect every time i watch it i'm prepared to be disappointed by it and then i'm think it's actually better than when i watched it the previous time which is incredible are you a big fan yeah. of the thing i bloody love it yeah absolutely i saw it pretty much when it first came out on a pirate copy betamax so i was probably about 11 or 12 when i first saw it and i think for about the first 10 years it was panned by everybody it was nominated for razzies and stuff like that and it's mm. not popular. It didn't do well at the box office. But mm. I just thought it was amazing the first time I saw it. And you're absolutely right. I agree. I just think it's fantastic. This didn't do well at the box office either. I just don't understand. It, but it is now thought of as a cult classic. I think it's an Empire's top 500 films. The other 499 are Marvel films. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a real departure for John Carpenter. It's an homage, I guess, to that sort of Hong Kong sword and sorcery genre. That It's weird, isn't it? It's sort of a bit like an Indiana Jones but more for kids with uh, that uh, bit of crow mixed in, maybe. With a real scuzzy kind of lead in, in Kurt Russell, he's kind of like a real kind of meathead and a bit kind of seedy and unseemly. Yeah, he's a bit of, he is a, yeah, bit of a prick. He's a bit scuzzy. You know, he's doing this kind of John Wayne impersonation. Apparently, this was supposed to originally be set in Western times. Really? But the production got kind of got rushed ahead because they were trying to beat... The Golden Child, which was due to come out around the same time. Remember that Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Oh, that was his first his first failure, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So instead of it being a Western, which would have been quite interesting, mm. yeah, they, they really rushed it ahead and made it into this. Hang on a minute. If it's set in Western, as in like a cowboy thing, you mean? Yeah. Why were they trying to rush it ahead of The Golden Child? Because it would have been completely different. I guess the kind of East meets West kind of thing with a bit of martial arts and a bit of mysticism... And obviously just didn't have time to, to recreate the, the Western genre. So, yeah, I, look, I don't know. Hollywood, they make <laughs> these bad decisions all I the time. I don't understand. I don't understand, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of explains perhaps Kurt Russell's John Wayne delivery throughout the whole movie. He does have that drawl, doesn't he? <laughs> he really does, yeah. But did you fancy him a little bit and think, oh, I'd quite like you to chuck me around a room a bit? <laughs> well, you know, he's a charming man, Kurt Russell. You, what I'm trying to say is, are you into Bad Boys? Um, well, I preferred it to Bad Boys 2. I, I thought that was a little, you know... And you do a <laughs> film thing with it. Well, um, I prefer Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim Cattrall is his very young Kim Cattrall in it, who's great. Yeah, she is great. She is good. Yeah. Sort of a Lois Lane kind of vibe in it. Yeah. See, I didn't realise that she was wearing contact lenses... Oh, it's the green eye thing, yeah. Yeah, so I thought, her eyes are incredible, and they've really got worse as she's older. <laughs> she's <laughs> they've changed colour and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I was really it's confused cataracts. until about uh, halfway through, I like, oh, right, they've actually, contact lenses, not some incredible eyes with massive pupils. So I was a bit yeah. disappointed. <laughs> Chris made an allusion to the fact that you've worked with her, Merrick, is it? I like to do up to two lines in films mm. and last year I got a two line part in this horrible histories film called Rotten Romans oh, sounds great. which Kim Cattrall is one of the stars of I'm in it for literally 17 seconds but she's in the same film oh. so technically yeah. I am now a co-star of Kim Cattrall pretty good right? that's great, did you meet her? no, well, in my dreams <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, she's too busy to... I thought for a moment when Chris said you worked with her that you were um, Sarah Jessica Parker's stunt double or something in Sex and the City 3 or... No, I was know. just playing some idiot as usual, two-line part for <laughs> someone who looks weird. 
Give to that bald guy. Done. No, that's great though. Horrible histories is great. Um, so the film starts. Should we start off with the film starting then. The, the pre-credits voiceover. Quite a quite an interesting little. Wow, you got. I've already forgotten that. Literally, only watched it three days ago. So there's that that's interview, cool. isn't there, with yeah. Egg Shen. Oh, with the Chinese mystic sort of guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is he the uncle in Gremlins? Yes, he is. No, he's not the uncle. He's the bloke who owns a shop, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. well, yes. I'm pretty sure he has a nephew. and. and Oh, the uncle, as in not his uncle. The bloke, the shop owner. (laughs) I thought you meant the uncle, as in the shop owner. He doesn't play the inventor's brother, no, no. The, the Mogwai proprietor. I think if you asked people what his role would be, they would say shopkeeper rather than uncle. Yeah. <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs> it says you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got, he's got a nephew. It says that your first assumptions, Rob, are always incorrect. <laughs> God, it's, it's like you've known me for years. He is that guy with the... Um, nephew. Slightly lazy eye, isn't he? Yeah. Not lazy yeah. eye, but full creased up eye. Yeah, because it's, it's ironic because that lazy eye does a lot of work in, in, in this movie. <laughs> Works harder than the rest of him, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he could go back and they said to him, well, what would you rather do? Have a not creased up normal eye mm. or have a Hollywood career? You play shopkeepers, but you often get mistaken for uncles. <laughs> <laughs> what would he... Uncle shopkeeper. What would he prefer? <laughs> Yeah, the, I, I did see somewhere that this whole interview thing at the beginning was done after the first test screening or something. Because w- one of the things I find interesting about it is that, that Kurt Russell's role, he's not really the hero, he's the sidekick. He's the bumbling sidekick. Yeah, yeah. the studio didn't like that very much. So they said, no, we want him to be the hero. So they introduced this whole prologue where they go, yes, Jack's the hero. Because it's not really a frame, is it? Because they don't come back to it at the end. No, exactly. I was expecting that, yeah. The old Uncle Shopkeeper is in some lawyer's office is it a lawyer's office yeah 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 it's like an attorney or something yeah telling the story and it's never explained why he's telling the story or why (laughs) he's with some slightly aggressive lawyer yeah he's not been arrested or anything like that it's it's weird basically it's just where's jack burton and his truck half a city block blew up in green flame so what he should have done is he should have been an uncle what they should have done is a time with gremlins he should have been in the shop telling the story to his nephew and in the background yep. you see a gremlin yeah that would have been a great crossover maybe that's why gizmo shits himself at bright light it's that green flame yeah. isn't it if this was done now it'd be all cinematic universe it would be all part of the same absolutely you know. yeah. oh they'll start doing that don't give them that they'll start doing that soon gremlins meets predator and they don't they don't <laughs> alien predator they? gremlins meet gremlins meets, meets predator chucky <laughs> Ah, yeah. that's not a bad idea, actually. Right at the end of that interview, Egg Chen holds his hands up and crackles with electricity. So he's obviously wearing some synthetic track pants or something, yeah. rubbing his hands. Balloons keep sticking to him and that kind of thing, yeah. And then we cut straight to um, Kurt Russell in, in, in his truck as Jack Burton mm. in the Pork Chop Express. And he's just eating some, a big sandwich. He's just kind of screaming down his CB radio yeah. into the ether, just shouting these strange mad opinions it's almost like 1980s yeah. twitter you're just shouting bollocks to nobody exactly yeah it's half like a radio broadcast isn't it yeah or, or a talkback radio caller you know he's just yeah he's just a, he's just a meathead really he's eating whilst talking yeah and for me that is worse than the trope of killing a dog in films <laughs> to show you're bad eating whilst talking 
It's terrific. Uh, uh, there's no need for it. But it must have been really shit for him to do, to have to do that scene constantly eating. And there would have been someone there saying, all oh, right, Mr. Russell needs another sandwich. And it would have to be exactly the same level each time. Yeah. Exactly the same level of Branston, you know, it'd just be... Yeah. Oh. Someone would have to nibble a bit of it for continuity and, yeah. He'd yeah. had a spit bucket just full of half <laughs> sandwiches and some poor boy who thought he wanted to get into the film industry had to clean out. Can you go and clean out Mr. Russell's half-chewed-up gob? And you go home and go, Mum, I thought I'd get into the movie I'm just cleaning out a man's spit. That's the backstory. Sandwich nibbler, was that a credit at the end? I'd like to see, yes. Yeah, so what would it be like? Sandwich roadie? Sam wouldn't even be that. Be a yeah. boy, wouldn't it? Be food they call it a handler, food handler. Yeah, footlong handler. Yeah, and a nice, quite a nice shot of them driving off over the Golden Gate Bridge. I thought, I thought that was sort of. Yeah, we know where he is. That's always good. Oh, uh, we know what bridge he's on. Mm. Then straight into these kind of scenes of Chinatown, like a night market. Yeah, like Blade, yeah. Blade Runner. Very nice yeah, Blade yeah. Runner. Daryl Hannah sort of strolls past in a leotard. Then he's straight into the gambling. He's having a good old gamble. Now, I'm not much of a gambler. I've got absolutely no idea when it should be held or folded or anything. I've no idea. Yeah. But from what I've learned from Hollywood films, gambling just seems to be throwing money on the table and shouting as loud <laughs> as you can for about four hours. Is yeah. that right? With sort of 20 people standing yeah. behind you going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all gambling yeah, is? Yeah. I can do that. Yeah, basically. You know, po- I play poker quite a bit. I went to a couple yeah. of clubs to play poker and it, it's not fun at all. It's really weird people who are slightly too good at maths. They might be on the spectrum. They a lot yeah. of them don't say anything, and they just play by probability, and it's really, really boring. So they've worked out the percentages yeah. of what they get. So they get two sevens, and certain cards come down. They know they've got a certain chance of winning. But if you talk, mm-hmm. like I like to talk quite a lot and mess about. They really hate it, and they don't talk back, and they don't want to tell you anything because... They're worried about yeah. doing having tails, but they hate people. Gambling's basically lots of weirdos who play by percentages, and then someone will come in who will do something stupid, and they really hate that because it messes messes with all the percentages. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Me and my brother once got nearly got beaten up and and kicked out of a um a poker game in Hawke's Bay once because we turned up drunk. We're playing Texas Hold'em. He kept going all in, which is a very obnoxious, yeah, yeah, very offensive and obnoxious thing to do. And he just kept going every hand all in. Yeah, we both nearly got beaten up. Well, by people who like maths. <laughs> they have to That's be mean. so angry. Yeah. They have to be. Yeah, well, we so thought angry. it was a poker game. It was actually it was actually a mathematics um oh. you know, tournament. And so yeah, yeah, the teachers didn't take too kindly to it. It's very easy to be obnoxious at a poker game, especially if you're my brother. <laughs> Is he an older brother or a younger brother? He is an older brother, yeah. Are you still friends after that game? <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a testing time. Because <laughs> we were there with another friend who kind of got us invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we absolutely mortified and embarrassed and humiliated him. And it was really a moment that only my brother can create in these kind of situations, which is just... He sounds awful, Rob. Well, he sometimes he is, but you know, about fifteen percent of the time he is. Yeah, he, he actually sounds <laughs> like Kurt Russell in this film. We're still uh. at the opening credits, aren't we? So he's playing, <laughs> he's playing slam, yeah. slammy money, shouty gambling, um, slammy money, shouty, yep. and he wins a lot of money. He does from his friend Wang. Mm. They're friends, racial differences notwithstanding. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And that. um, then Wang bets that he can cut a bottle with a knife. That's one of the greatest bits in the film. Mm. <laughs> 
he goes to cut it and it sort of shoots out and um, Kurt Russell just like catches it like Jedi reflexes. Oh, it's a good catch. I like that. And of course now it was a double or nothing and so now he owes Kurt Russell sort of two and a half thousand bucks, something mm. like that. Which back then was over a million pounds. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was the equivalent of a Learjet yeah. back then. <laughs> and then, so then, then it starts getting really weird, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and the, the weirdness doesn't let up, really, for another hour and a half. In general terms, I can't remember... All I remember about this film from 30 years is that someone inflated and blew up. That's all I could remember. And there was a lot of fighting. I did not realise this possibly sets the record for the most exposition I've ever seen yeah. in a film. There is one scene... And yeah. it's incredible for exposition. Whether yeah. it's intentional or not, it's amazing. Where they say, you don't mean, and they run on for about five minutes explaining their background. It's brilliant. Yeah. In general, it's so complicated for no reason. It just yeah. keeps going. It just they, Every scene, there's like a new bit of exposition. There's like, what's this? Da, 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 da. At the whole, right up until kind of ten minutes from the end of the film, they're still explaining things. It reminded me of that bit in Top Secret where he goes, you're not the first guy to fall in love with a girl, and he goes on for about a minute, and then they turn and look at the camera. It's just that bit for an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half. I got bored, I don't know about you two, I got bored really, really quickly of them, the exposition. And I thought, oh, maybe yeah. I've got more of my attention span at 12 is much greater than it is now. Because I can't remember it being that, that a kung fu film so boring. It's because they they kind of marry up the exposition with the pace is just frenetic, isn't it? It's kind of like the exposition is happening while stuff is also yeah. happening constantly. Because app- just... apparently they tried to make it like a sort of a Howard Hawks film, like His Girl Friday or Bringing Up Baby. So it's meant to be that sort of rat-a-tat-tat dialogue of back and forth between the man and the woman. Yeah. But I suppose the big difference is the dialogue in those is really great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's re- it's really forgettable. And like even the interchange between him and Wang is kind of like, hey, zinger, whoa, yeah, hoo, hoo. Mm. But it's kind of cheesy. It gets tiring as well. It, uh, it does get tiring. So the basic story is for people who haven't seen it, want to be reminded, is Kurt Russell loses a bet. Wang he owes Wang money, but Wang has to go and pick up his fiance from the airport. No, Wang, Wang loses the bet. Yeah, Wang goes. Yeah, so. Yeah. He has to pick up his girlfriend from the uh, fiance from the airport first. Uh oh! Yeah. His fiance gets kidnapped in a bit of mistaken identity by some gang who work for some undead weirdo who wants to marry someone <laughs> with green eyes. That's the story, yeah. right? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah, she gets kidnapped by um, Michael Jackson's backup dancers from the Bad Music Video. Mm. What? Because they're wearing red and black, and they've got the funny little, Those little sunglasses. Sort of sunglasses on. Pac-Man sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, so that's what did yes. it for me. Yeah, because they're not even—they're a gang that kind of are a sub gang to the other gang. Yeah, the Lords of Death are a sub gang to the Wing Kong. You know, and then Kurt Russell and Wang immediately are like, "Right, we're going to rescue your fiance." Why don't they call the police? Well, they said the police aren't interested in deaths in Chinatown. I think they would be because the attorney was at the end. Oh, okay. I think it was these deaths that actually led to the police realizing they had to do something. So this film yep. was instrumental in the changing of policing in it's basically a political film about <laughs> yeah, it, it the lack of police work interest in the Asian community in yeah. California. Chinatown lives matter. Yeah. It's it's like yep. that one on Netflix about the Central Park 5, isn't it? This is where it all started. This is very much a prequel to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course Kim Cattrall is at the airport. She just kind of is standing at the airport, and she plays. She's a lawyer named Gracie Law. 
It's great, isn't it? I know, like, you know, Kurt Russell's character should be called Jack, Jack Truck, Truck Driver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jack, Jack Truck. But, Hi, I'm Wang Restaurateur. But with a name yeah. like that, you don't really have much choice. You're going to go into law, aren't you? I was remembering, and this is boring yeah. for America, in a town near Hastings, there was a shop called Mr. and Mrs. Trousers. And I think if you've got a surname <laughs> like that, you've got no choice, have you? You can't become a bloody butcher or something. So if she's called Gracie Law, she's got no bloody choice. Yeah. Hang on. They're not actually yeah. called Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Trousers. Well, I like to think they were. Their real names weren't Trousers. I mean, Trousers is a great name. Derek and Sharon Trousers, I think they were called. Nice couple. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So Wang's fiance Miao Yin, has been abducted. Kurt Russell's not happy about it because he stands there and says, son of a bitch must pay, which I thought was a good line. Straight away, they've, they've gone to find her in, in Chinatown. They meet a um, funeral procession for, the, I think they're called the Chan Sing. They're a fighting tong. So they're all these kind of like martial arts dudes and kind of whites. And then the Wing Kong arrive, who are these martial arts dudes in, in black and red and sort of red turbans. And then they have this massive Chinese standoff they call it with like Tommy guns there's an AK-47 Uzis it's like every kind of movie weapon that you can think of and people are just getting gunned down and then they sort of break out the the, the martial arts weaponry and have like this massive big rumble while Kurt Russell just sits there in his truck going whoa that's the weird thing isn't it the fact that there's a funeral procession and Kurt Russell has parked his 80 ton truck in the middle of the road (laughs) And everyone is oblivious to it. <laughs> yeah. We just can walk down this small road. Oh, no, someone's parked an 80 ton massive truck there, but we're not going to know. We're just not going to notice that. They what don't even hide in? behind it. <laughs> just walking past us. We'll just squeeze behind this massive yeah. truck that's taken up all of the road. There's about three centimetres on either side yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Just squeezing through one by one, aren't they? <laughs> so, yeah, incredibly violent rumble. There's a bit where, like, you know, a staff goes into a leg and the leg kind of does the bendy... Does be- yeah, bendy limb, yeah. ...broken thing and the bendy broken arm. And someone gets um, stabbed in the in the balls at one point. Oh, I missed that bit. I missed that bit as well. Yeah, he's, on, he's lying on his back and the guy goes... Yeah! And just plunges his knife like right between his legs. Ooh. Really unnecessary, really gratuitous, I thought. Those fighting tongs are a bloody nightmare, aren't they? Mm. Mm. They should have gone into DJing like their brother Pete. Did you think <laughs> <laughs> that this was... I think of all the films I've seen, I want to know what is the... F- no one actually gets killed by gunfire in this film at any point. At the start of this fight, a few of them get sort of rat-a-tat, oh, do, oh, down with some Tommy guns and they... And they drag the bodies off, yeah. I want someone to do statistics of total gunshots in film to actual deaths and wounds in film. Yeah. Mm. And work out which film has the worst shooting accuracy of any film. You know, like in Commando, basically they're shooting at Arnold Schwarzenegger as he's running along and just missing it. These trained soldiers (laughs) with AK-47s are missing a man running alongside him. But this is even yeah. worse gunfire shooting in this scene. There must be someone, one of those poker weirdos, to sit down and do some shooting statistics. I mean, maybe I'm, it sounds like I'm the only person interested in this, but I think it's very interesting. Well, they can't see Arnie because he's got that black nugget stuff under his eyes. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's blending so he's in. Yeah. The, the, the camo, just, he just uh, blends in. Yeah. All, all yeah. they can see is his luminous socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you haven't thought this through. 
But yeah, it is. It is almost like extreme paintball they're playing because they're shooting and nothing's mm. hitting. Maybe it is just like a works outing, and there's no bullets yeah, in the it's... guns. It's just little paintballs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bruised people. They're all going to go home and go, "Ooh, that welt." What should we do for the Christmas lunch this year? Should we do paintball? Yeah. yeah. There's a truck yeah. we can hide behind in Chinatown. It's going to be great. Maybe it is it. The, the coolest characters, I think, in the movie tonight, who are the, the three storms. Oh, are they the guys with, like, the the, the big laundry the big baskets on their heads? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of descend from the sky. Just as you're thinking, this is quite a bonkers movie, <laughs> it gets a lot more bonkers all of a sudden. Three guys just descend from the sky. They look quite impressive lightning one of them had sort of lightning crackling all around him and of course they did you guys ever play mortal Kombat mm-hmm. in the in the 90s yeah remember raiden the um the god of thunder yeah. who had the straw hat and the so uh, apparently um a big influence on that game ah okay i've got to yeah. say the costumes no matter what you think of the film the costumes and the makeup in this are spectacular they are great i think they're, they're really brilliant. good like, i think they're great. like the costumes for like, yeah. these three storms are these weird spirit guys Someone to go, do you know what? I'm going to make a massive wicker hat. Yeah. And make that the thing they have to wear. And that is a really brave costume choice, but it's really distinctive. Uh, Yeah, it really works. They look cool. Would you wear wear one? I'd love to wear one. Mm. If I had an opportunity to go to a fancy dress party as... um, A lamp. As a lamp, (laughs) yeah. Or a sun umbrella. Yeah, I'd jump at the chance. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit disappointed. Neither of you are dressed up in any sort of uh, homage to Big Trouble in Little China this evening. Well, in this in this climate, you can't really, uh, you know, culturally appropriate. It's not. It's not 1986 anymore. Yeah, I suppose it's also the middle of winter, and I'm sitting in my garage. <laughs> What's brilliant for uh, regular listeners who want to see? I'm sitting at my Skype in uh, my bedroom in London. Rob is mm. in sort of a nice, sort of bright orange, quite comfortable <laughs> room on the right yeah. of my picture, lit, must be a bedroom, lit yep. angelically by a light mm. shining down his face from above. Chris is in a dark, <laughs> dingy carriage <laughs> with you can see the garage door behind him, and it looks like a. If you'd said to someone, "How to make yourself look like a murderer on Skype?" Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if anyone's looking in my garage window now, then I'm going to get a knock on the door very quickly. There's a bag behind him resting in a bowl. I mean, why would you put a plastic bag in the bowl unless there's some sort of liquid, probably blood in it? But I just wanted yeah. to paint the picture, uh, the very strange picture. You, you haven't seen the rest listening. of it. Yeah. it look, I do look like a fucking hoarder if you look around this garage. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a bloody nightmare. It stinks of cat piss. <laughs> Every time I'm, I'm, I've had a bad day, I'm feeling a bit low, and then Chris and I do the podcast, and I look at him in his garage, and I just think, "Wow, shit, Rob, it could be worse." <laughs> what would you do if she's locked the garage door and you can't get back into the house? Oh, it's happened. Luckily, there's a little cat flap where we can pass food through. It's okay. <laughs> I wish you'd get back to the uh, film. Sorry, I just wanted to yeah, yeah. get in that picture. So the three storms have appeared. The three storms, yeah, and they, they've got on their yeah. hands. Some of them have got sort of spinning kitchen utensils that seem to be going around yeah. like a whisk. Somebody's got a back scratcher, one of those long metal ones that you used to use. Yeah, he's got two back scratchers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very handy. I thought that was nice of him. He's sort of like, Kurt, wang. Obviously a bit tense because you've been up all night gambling. Yeah. Can I scratch your back for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's the Indiana Jones bit, isn't it, where they do all the sword, the guy does all that sword thing and then he just pulls that gun and shoots him. Yeah, yeah. yeah They're doing yeah. a lot of weird martial arts stuff 
which is a total waste of energy. And if you waggle your swords yeah. around and do some weird sort of performance bit, you're just going to be knackered for the actual fight itself. <laughs> a lot of the time when I see them fighting, I think, yeah. just what are you doing that for? Just save your energy. Just hit stand there. Yeah. Then, of course, Kurt Russell is quite scared at this point. Everything's getting a bit violent and supernatural. And he drives off and uh, drives right through James Wong, who's the other Asian actor that appeared in every Hollywood movie for 20 years. And he looks quite scary, doesn't he? He's a scary kind of evil wizard. I wish to explain what what he is, really. So he's Lopan, who is like, the head bad guy whose objective is to marry someone with green eyes so he can be mortal, right? Yeah, yeah so he can be yeah. whole again, like Atomic Kitten. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Atomic Kitten's based on this film. That's on the base. Okay, yeah, well, that's fine. Right. Base? Yeah. Well, she is called Meow, so probably. Ah. <laughs> yeah, Yin is, is Chinese oh. for Atomic. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, in 272 BC, as we find out sort of in a bit of third act exposition, 272 BC, he was cursed by the first Emperor Qin who unified China to be sort of incorporeal... And every now and again, he can kind of take fleshly form by offering to his god demon. But yes, in order to to regain proper substance, he does need to marry a green-eyed woman. And it hasn't worked for 2,000 years for some reason. And if you think that exposition was long, in the film, it takes (laughs) probably about... It's four times longer. (laughs) 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 It really is. It's basically the film with I was trying people, to be people explaining what's happening in a cafe and then just fighting. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it, right? That's about right. And, yeah. and sort of r- rinse and repeat for the whole film. So Kurt Russell and Wang they get away and they meet up with Gracie Law because obviously she was at the airport as well. They decide that they need to sort of get together, kind of Scooby Doo style, and go underground underneath China. They go to a brothel. They do go to a brothel, yeah. Because Miao Yin's been taken to a brothel. Mm. They put glasses on Kurt Russell to make him look nerdy. Yeah, they make him look nerdy. Yeah. Should have put him in a garage yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm. I and mean, there's a lot of comedy in this film. It's very comedy-heavy, isn't it? For a sort of an action, supernatural kind of horror, martial arts. It's not very funny comedy, but... Yeah, it's not comedy at all, really. It's, it's told, things told as if they're jokes, but they're not remotely funny at all. No. I was surprised no, they're not how... Funny awful the comedy was in this film <laughs> i want to ask kurt russell and kim Cattrall if they thought this was shit when they were doing it because they really mm. throw themselves into it but the dialogue is shockingly bad i think mm. and the script is shockingly yeah, bad and the comedy is shockingly bad but they're trying so hard the whole time it's just like constant on to the next thing on to the next thing on to the, the you know there's only that one scene where Kurt Russell's dressed in the sort of silky little kind of robe on the phone where it's kind of like they have a breather and and Wang's father is sort of explaining a little bit more exposition and then it's just all straight back into it. Yeah. Guns getting abducted. At one point Wang and Kurt Russell are abducted by the three storms and sort of taken to Lopan's lair and it's a bit of a, like, a bit of a James Bond thing where it's kind of like why don't they just kill them? Why are they keeping them alive? And well Kurt Russell's tied to a chair and they it looks like they throw a red snooker ball at him and it hits him in the nuts. Yeah, they, th- <laughs> they throw these red balls. <laughs> He's going to be fucked by the time it gets to the black. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> There's kind of like this one point where they bring Egg Shen into it to kind of talk to Wang's father and Egg Shen is kind of like the, the good sort of mystic guy and he talks about how 
you know, there's Buddhism, there's Confucianism, there's Taoist alchemy and sorcery. Just say, just take what you want, leave the rest, stir it all up and get into it. And then the, the father says, yes, but there's one thing we can all agree on. All movement in the universe is caused by positive and negative furies. And I thought, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think we can all agree. <laughs> I've, I've done some very yeah. furious movements in my time, yeah. That's basically physics with fury put on the end of it. <laughs> it is. That's all he's done there. He's just taken yeah. a, a standard concept of physics and added fury at the end of it. You can do anything. Yeah. All energy in the world is positive and negative meat. <laughs> yeah. Might give a word put on the end of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have been nicer if Hawking had said fury at the end of stuff, though, when he was talking about it. It would have been a bit more interesting. Yeah. A brief history of fury. Yeah. All just... energy in the world is different variations of needing to go to the toilet or not needing to go to the toilet. <laughs> I'm just trying out different yeah. things. It does work well with fury. Po- positive and negative ways. Yeah, mm. I think it's because fury works because everyone is always a little bit angry, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I certainly was watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what did you? Is the film? I thought the film was a mess with some incredible special effects and prosthetics as well. The, the, the monsters and the whole the look of it, I thought, was great. There's yeah. that monster thing that just appears. It's sort of orangutan thing. Yeah, it's like the love child of sort of Clyde and Alien or whatever. It's just weird. It just appears. Ludo from the Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. It's absolutely terrifying. Though. Yeah. And and Lopan when he's in the the aged decrepit sort of makeup and he sort of comes out like. Charles Xavier with syphilis. Mm. You know that WhatsApp that's going around at the moment? Oh, it, oh yeah. The aging age. thing, yeah. yeah. It really looked like yeah. John Carpenter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Have you seen uh, John Carpenter okay. lately? So maybe... Not lately, no. no he, well, he looks a bit like Dave Lopan, DLP. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it did quite a striking resemblance. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the effects are... The makeup and the effects are really cool. The whole thing's basically just kung fu sequences. Did you like the kung? I mean, did you still enjoy... I think I enjoyed watching people doing kicking people in the head far more when I was younger than I do now at 43. Mm. What did you think, Chris, of um, all the kung fu? Were you bored by it? I was a little. I think we've been spoiled by better martial arts since then. Like the raid and the stuff like that. Yeah. Like the raid or, or anything since then, even a bit more artistic like Crouching Tiger. It yeah. looked a little bit panto and there did seem to be a lot of trampolining stuntmen. Whenever there was an explosion, they were just flying into the air as if they'd just come off a trampette or something. So it just all looked a bit cartoony. I think in 1986, it was it was relatively a new thing. The kind of mm. the, some of the wire work and the and and I admire the energy with which those kind of set pieces were staged. But it did just get a bit bludgeoning after a while, and you're just kind of like, oh, fuck, another yeah yeah another one. But I mean, the the amusing thing throughout the movie was that Wang, who in most other American movies would be the sidekick. The sort of Green Hornet, Kato thing. He was actually the very competent, brave martial artist who kept kicking ass. And then you've got Kurt Russell's character there, forgets to take the safety off a gun or shoots the ceiling. And, yeah. the... and can't shoot a gun, he's just shooting it everywhere, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of reversal was kind of fun for, for a bit. For me, that's what made it, I wouldn't say stand out, but made it slightly different from any of those others. Yeah, yeah. Which is why that opening scene really pisses me off. Because they've deliberately thrown it in to go, no, the white guy was the hero. He really was. Yeah. What were your favourite scenes in it then? I thought it was quite amusing when Kurt Russell was wearing lipstick and didn't (laughs) realise. I thought that was quite fun. Particularly he's got such lovely hair. Mm. I thought it was quite quite beguiling. Confusing. It would have been very confusing for you uh, for a teenage boy. (laughs) 
not attractive, yeah. just confusing. Yeah, for a forty-seven-year-old man, I was even more confused. <laughs> it's it's one of my um most off-putting things for some reason. Psychoanalyze away, but you know when a a woman with lipstick kisses a man and it leaves that the lipstick on his face. It's a horrifying image for me. Maybe we want to edit this out while I go and get this some counselling. No, I think it's just, this is really interesting. It's what happened? Yes, Must have been something. <laughs> yeah, some sort of mark. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, maybe this explains why I can't remember from anything from the ages five to eight. But well, you really can't. <laughs> is that true okay. or false? <laughs> it's false. It's a bluff. <laughs> so, what did you like best, Marek? Come on. <clears throat> I think my st- still my favourite bit was the man blowing up. Yeah. Oh yes, it's a great. But I like the monsters. I was mesmerised by Kim Cattrall's eyes, which weren't real. Mm. What is odd about this film is that I wanted to like it. I like the feel of it. I like the sentiment of it. I like the way it feels really 80s. And instinctively, I want to enjoy it because it feels nostalgic. I like the innocence of it. I like this. But for some reason, it doesn't work. It has all mm. the ingredients mm. to be brilliant. And in my head, it felt like it was brilliant. And it's just the script is rubbish. And I felt like the production side of it is brilliant. It's brilliantly made with crap mm. material. Even Kurt yeah, Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell's good. You know, Kim Cattrall's good. They're really... All the actors in it are great actors. Even the Chinese lady didn't really say anything but had mesmerising eyes. She looks beautiful. Mm. The script's just so bad. It's just a, a massive waste. But I can see how you could be fooled into thinking it's good because it has all the, the trappings of a good film, of a classic 80s film. That's my opinion. What do you think, guys? I do agree. When I was watching it, I felt like pretended to enjoy it, just for those reasons mm. that you were saying, that it, it looked great and it was supposedly fun. I thought, oh, I really, really enjoy it. But then when I'm just looking at my notes, it's clear that I didn't enjoy it at all and thought it was terrible it's it's a good example of they've, they've really tried to polish a turd they really have and they've done quite mm-hmm. a good job of making it look good and sound good and feel good but at the end of the day it's not good yeah i i, I agree i admire the admire the energy admire the sentiment like you say Merrick. the fact that they've tried to do something quite different i mean there's not a lot of supernatural martial arts action comedy films out there like this but yeah if the dialogue was better if the plot was a bit made a bit more sense and kind of like the way the reasons that they did things made a bit more sense um i like the fact that they tried to subvert the whole kind of hero sidekick kind of thing i do just want to quickly say my favorite scene though was there's a point where wang and his that this is going to sound really terrible but the other asian guy who's sort of a goodie Uh oh Oh, robert you disgust me Jesus, it's twenty nineteen. Right. Oh, well, let, can we call? Let's just call him. Let's call him Simon. I don't know. Oh, we'll call him Simon. Great. He can't <laughs> even give him a Chinese name. Oh, great. But his friend, and they approach like the baddies, and then a woman comes out with um. She has the stick, and she just beats them up with this stick. Oh, she hasn't got a name either, is she? Just a woman. <laughs> she, just unnamed woman with woman stick. Too. Stick woman. Yeah. That's your favourite bit, is it? And um, <laughs> it's really good. It's my favourite bit. Your favourite bit is where the Chinese man you can't even <laughs> give a name to, but you're given an English name, 
he gets beaten up by a woman he can't even <laughs> name. Oh, great. Sounds like you should go back to the 1920s, well, mate. Do you think they could remake this film now? It's quite an interesting point. In a more culturally sensitive world, could this be remaked? Well, you know they are yeah. remaking it, don't you? It's a sequel. Yeah. What? It's a sequel. Oh, is it a sequel? And guess who's in it? Go on, have a guess. We could have played the casting game, but as it's already being yeah. redone. So they're remaking it. Who would be yep. the young person? What's his name who played... Uh... Who is in Baywatch, the young one? Zac Efron? No, it's not Zac Efron. Who, who's in every action Hollywood remake? And it's not Chris Pratt. A young person? No. He's probably about 50, isn't he? Looks a bit like you, yeah. in a certain light. Boris Johnson. If you were from Samoa. <laughs> oh, The Rock? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the light would have to be off. <laughs> <laughs> The Rock's playing... I mean, he'd be quite good, actually. It, it's a sequel, though. It's not a remake. What's it called? Oh, is it Bigger Trouble in Little China? Didn't even know that. And who is playing the lady uh, love interest? Oh, so it's not. It's basically not the same show, is it? It's a, it's a remake. There yeah, would be a Gracie yeah. Law. There'd be Gracie Law's daughter. Kim Cattrall might have a, um, have a cameo. Mm. Yeah, Kurt Russell would as well, wouldn't he, probably? Well, I'd give it, in Film Fandango... Um, Mm. Marking scores as a crossover, I would give it four Marics. Okay. That's out of ten. Okay. Yeah. But okay. oddly, yep. although I give it a low score, I still f- have some sort of affection for it. I give mm. it a four, mm. but I still yeah. like it, which is a very weird thing to say about a film. Well, they made a, a hell of an effort. They tried bloody hard. Mm. I think that counts for something. What do you give it then? What's your um, scoring out of ten? I know you don't do this, and we do you. You do still any good? Yes or no? Yeah, we have a very... It's, it's a fucking Manichaean black-and-white universe that we operate on this podcast. I say still any good. It's not any good. Can you do both scores for me, please? In film Fandango parlance, probably give it a six. I'm feeling quite generous. Oh, yeah, that makes it yeah. good. That makes yeah. it good. Six, six Chris's? Six Chris's, <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to be a bit of a... A bit of a coward here and go five. Five robs. Huh. Because, um... You're on that fence, aren't you? I'm on that bloody fence again. Yeah, I wouldn't watch it again. I do kind of admire what they tried to do and it held my attention enough to kind of get through it and God, we've watched some terrible movies in this podcast and this this wouldn't be no. right up there with the No, worst. it's nowhere near those, is mm. it? No. It's not It's not a yellow beard. No. Well, six Marricks, five Chrissies, five, six, <laughs> six Chrissies, five Robs and four Marricks. That's 15 men out of 30? Yeah, 15 out of 30 mm. men. Yeah. Yeah. Decidedly average, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe it four is a bit harsh, but you know. So, it's your turn next week, Rob. What have you chosen for us? Yes, it's, it is my turn next week. You know, it gets, gets harder and harder in a way, doesn't it, to kind of think of one. So I, I did take myself back. This was a film which, when it came out, was something of a phenomenon when I was, a, I think I was about 10. And um, I remember loving this. I saw it at the movies, loved it, hired it out on Eurolease as soon as it came out. And it is the Harrison Ford telly remake of The Fugitive. Oh, excellent. Have you seen this one? I have. I haven't seen it for a, a very long time, probably over 10 years. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time. Yeah, I will look forward to that. So, uh, yeah. Let's do a bit of housekeeping. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do on Twitter at StillAnyGoodPod. Instagram, StillAnyGoodPod. We're also on Facebook, StillAnyGood. And if you want to email us, we're stillanygood at gmail.com. And also, if you wanted to follow our special guest, he is at Marek Larwood on Twitter. 
Thank you very, very much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. I've really loved it. It's been great. It was lovely seeing you both and, and, and contributing to this podcast. And I hope it gets over one million listeners. So do I. Easy. And I hope they're not all um, Benedict Cumberbatch um, fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Should we just say Benedict Cumberbatch sucks just so we get a bit more? You have to call it that. <laughs> just name the podcast, Benedict Cumberbatch sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And um, I look forward to watching another film with you another time. That would be lovely. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much. All right, cool, dudes. I better go. I'll see you later. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.